Hello, listeners. I'm Chloe Barlow, and I'd like to say thanks for joining us today for this edition of Columbia Chronicles. If you're looking to learn more about the inner workings of our community and the people who make it so special, you've come to the right place. This is your chance to understand how what's happening around you affects you and your daily life. And all it takes is about 30 minutes of your time. In this season, we're talking about literacy. 2020 marked the 50th anniversary of the University of South Carolina School of Library and Information Science program. Our reporters from Carolina's Honors College have gathered interviews with graduates working across the country to see how they bring a love of literacy to their own communities. In today's episode, Leah Elsner speaks with Heather McHugh, a children's room librarian at Richland Library here in Columbia. My name is Leah Elsner, and I'm here with Heather McHugh. She's a children's room librarian at Richland Library. As a graduate from the University of South Carolina, we'll be hearing about her journey to get where she is today. How are you doing, Heather? I'm hot and busy, and I'm excited to talk to you. Awesome. So let's get to know you a little bit first. Um, Where are you from? So um, I have a journey. Eventually, I'm going to end up on the coast, but um, I came from Western North Carolina, and then I made a stop in the upstate, and now I'm in the Midlands. So I think I might end up retiring on the coast. I just feel like that's where I'm destined to be. But um, yeah, so Western North Carolina, a little teeny tiny town called Marion. So how'd you get from, uh, from Western North Carolina to the University of South Carolina? That's a great question. And there's there's a few stops along the way. So um, I'm actually, I um, was just telling someone that I got my undergraduate um, degree at the university. It used to be the University of South Carolina Spartanburg, but now it's USC Upstate. And, um, and I had a great time there. I was really, really lucky. Um, they, um, I got a lot of financial support. I got to do a lot of things. Like I, I think my junior year, I directed like a full production on a main stage. And it was, I, I felt like I had ridiculous opportunities there. And then um, my first job out of college was working in a library and I thought it was going to be, um, you know, like a temporary pit stop. And, oh, I don't know, 20 plus years later, here I am. So, and, and, um, you know, we are, librarians have master's degrees. And once I decided that this is where I wanted to be, I wanted to get that degree so I could take advantage of all the opportunities. And so it really made sense. Um, there was a library school here in, in state, now known as the iSchool. And um, it, it really worked out again. And um, again, I had a lot of great ex- opportunities and a lot of financial support from the University of South Carolina. So I felt like I really lucked out on both ends, both degrees. One of the kind of iconic uh, buildings for the school is Davis College. Right. Um, I actually got to take a little tour through it and it it was really cool. Um, But I was wondering then, could you talk about Davis College? Describe it from, from when you were there, uh, what still sticks in your memory? I think there's like a number of things. I think um, there's the physical space, just like you said, there's a lot to remember, but I just um, remember and feel that way to this day that if I walk in there and I need some help, some mentoring, some connection, that there's a whole host of people that will help me. 
And I think that that's what I feel about Davis College is that it's the feeling of the people that that that's what I left with is that it's still just this place where people want to nurture you and your librarianship that they want you to do well, that they want you to have opportunities. And I've just seen that grow since my time there. Um, and it's really exciting to see all the opportunities that, that current students are allowed to have. And, um, you know, the new faculty, it's exciting. I get to connect with them too. And um, I'm, I'm really thrilled that, that that tradition is carrying on, that it really is a group of, of super caring people who you can walk into their office, close the door and kind of go, I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. <laughs> Help me. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> and they will, you know, respond. Did you have a particularly favorite thing about your program, like a class that you just really liked or a professor or something? I had some really great moments for sure. And professors that um, I still get to talk to, although I will say a lot of them have retired, but the good news is, is I get to still hang out with the, the current uh, faculty and um, I, I do a lot of things with um, Dr. Copeland and um, I kind of try to hang out with Kaki's Reading Express and um, Dr. Cook. So there's a lot of good, exciting things happening. Um, but yes, um, I think one of my, my very first semesters I took, I think it was called Libraries and Literacy with Dr. Feehan. And that was awesome because I think it started to open up the world to me to see like that libraries um, are about books, but we really do so much more. I mean, it's just, and, and that the possibilities are truly endless. And so, you know, I've gotten to work on things that I never would have expected like growing savers. And now I'm part of the Let's Talk Race team. So we're doing, really um, important community conversations about race, equity, inclusion. So, I mean, my library career and, and experience has been really exciting. And I think that was a class that really opened my eyes. And I, I just feel like I got some really good foundational kinds of skills there that I wouldn't have gotten on the job. And I was in libraries for a while, almost eight years before I went to, um, I pursued my MLIS. So you've pretty much, you always had working in a library in your plan. Um, no, no, I, and I was like, I went into my undergraduate degree as like an undecided major and I decided that that was not a good decision. <laughs> I ended up with a communications theater degree, which was a great degree for me. Um, and then I think libraries became a natural fit because I am interested in so many things and libraries do lend themselves for to you kind of pursuing what you're interested in. And, um, you know, also you get to do fun things like puppet shows. <laughs> work with really creative people too. So it was sort of like this big mashup of like all my favorite things. So you're going to stick with it? Oh, for sure. You know, every day I get up and I'm still excited to come in to work. And I, I still think that there's so much to be done and nothing thrills me more than somebody coming back in and saying, um, you know, uh, you recommended this book either to me or to my child and they couldn't put it down and now they want to read the next one or whatever. And so I still have those, those great moments like that. And I also um, 
which is unusual often for children's librarians. Like I said, I have this, I get to have this adult side too, where I'm working on things like race equity and inclusion. And I get to talk to people in our community about that. And it's just, it's incredibly satisfying work. Like when I lay, I work really hard. And when I lay my head on the pillow though, I'm very happy that I get to contribute in such, I feel like meaningful ways. You have like one story in particular that really showcases like that that feeling of of doing something meaningful that you're talking about this is an older story but it is one of those things and and there probably are more but i you know this is early on and i feel like i was finding my way here um but i remember coming here and this is like this could have been this could have been a conversation that never happened and it really was not an unusual um, interaction with a customer and um, or patron we used to call them patrons then but um, this particular um, parent came in and was just sort of like you know um, my kid is just you know he's got a learning disability he's just really having trouble reading like he hates it it's really really hard and so we were just talking and, and she and I just really kind of connected as you sometimes do with customers. You just, you know, I just was listening. And so I just, I turned him onto the series and I said, you know, we've got them listen, listen to these books. It was um, the Rick Riordan series, the Percy Jackson books. Yeah, I know. Right. And she's like, and, and I just remember her coming back and I hope I don't get like too teary, but like, I just remember coming back and she was looking for more, like he was wanting more to listen to. And she said, she said, you've, he's a reader because of you and that is way too much credit than I deserve it really is because I was like no 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 you came into the, like I just happened to be the person that connected you with that and you know I um but but to hear that from a parent um is really you know to get to have a parent give you that much credit um is really just kind and again it just feels like you know you're here to help which is what I feel like I'm I'm here to do I love that that's, that's really sweet so yeah so that human um connection and quotient is I can't um understate that enough that's a lot of what we do is just helping people um sometimes it's the best time of their life and sometimes it's a really hard time so like knowing that they turned to us and saw that we could be thought that we could be of service to them is really like i said um it not to overuse the word meaningful but it is meaningful work i think that's actually kind of a good segue into the growing savers into your growing savers program how people they come to you for help even when they're in those low times. So do you want to go ahead and talk a little bit about the Growing Savers program? Sure. <laughs> I always laugh because um, not unlike librarianship, the way I kind of like all of a sudden realized that this was for me, um, it was by accident that I ended up being part of this pro project and this program. McHugh was recruited for the program by Quincy Pugh and Teresa Brown. They wanted her help creating skits. She shot down that idea. She hates skits, but joined the team with plenty of other ideas. The Growing Savers program was designed to reach everyone, from babies to seniors, with a particular focus on the African-American community. They wanted to make it easy to talk about money as a part of daily life. Over the course of the year-long grant, the program taught financial literacy to 300 adults and 1,500 children. 
you know, we talked about there's books and then there's people, and that's an important part. I think when you talk about financial literacy, there is the very, like, there's the nuts and bolts of financial literacy, but there's a real emotional component, and sometimes that emotional component gets in the way for a lot of people. There can be um, embarrassment and guilt and shame associated with financial literacy, making bad financial decisions. Hello, that's me. Been there, done that. So I, I was like, that's why I was always like, how am I part of this project? I was like, I am not. But when I told my mother what I was doing, she's like, Did, do they know you? I was like, yeah, I know. I was like, maybe that's why, because I'm not, that's not my, my forte. So I kind of approached it in a different way. But um, we had videos that kind of tried to address some of those emotional ideas behind money, what might be stopping people from talking or learning more about money um, and financial literacy. It, it is a difficult topic for a lot of people to talk about, for a lot of people to learn about, but it's, it's definitely important. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was the thing. It was like, look, you know, you cannot talk to kids, but they're already forming attitudes and thoughts about money. So, you know, starting to have those framing conversations is really, really key. And just simple because it'll happen. I mean, you know, every time you go to shop for groceries or pay for gas or, um, you know, uh, go to Target or, you know, th that those provide just built-in conversations about money, like why we're making the choices we're making, why we can't buy that toy this time around, or maybe we can because, you know, we've got a little extra socked away, or maybe we'll go to the dollar, you know. So having those conversations early on really help um, form those attitudes. So the main goal of the program is to teach pretty much the whole family, how to talk about financial topics. How to have those conversations, to understand that the library is a resource. So that was the thing, because we knew, you know, just like any big project, you know, there's a time, we knew that there would be a big push during the time of the grant that we got, but we also wanted it when that, that timeline kind of um, ended, that still things were happening in the library. So we're still reading books about money in story time. We're still putting book displays up regularly. We're still, um, you know, recommending these resources that we have. We wanted the, the public, our community to really see us as a resource to have those conversations. And we wanted to, um, the big push was sort of like knowing, you know, we wanted to be conversation starters. I remember specifically, I was, um, and I think I was doing a very young story time, so maybe even like a baby or like a one-year-old story time, and I'm like, and we're going to talk about a little bit about money, and the parent went, what? <laughs> I was like, I know, I know. It's okay, everybody take a breath, you know, it's going to be in a totally like developmentally appropriate way, but starting to have these conversations, you know, um, about money, having kids see like real money, to not just think it's a debit card, um, to, to, to have all that is really important. And I think when you put it in, you know, you make it really accessible for parents, they're like, oh, and then you make it really easy for parents and they're like, okay, you know, we can, we can do this. This is something we can make happen. So, and I think that's one of the things we always try to do. And plus we brought in some good experts too. So we brought in some experts to teach some classes for adults. So um, we got great feedback. Um, I think it's always one of those things. It doesn't matter when you do financial literacy. Um, you know, it's always a need. We could do it with, 
you know, school children, we could do it with teenagers, we could do it with, um, you know, adults and seniors. So I know that uh, libraries, they've, they've changed a lot over the course of the, the years. I mean, uh, like you've been saying, you've got these financial literacy programs now, uh, you do videos, it's, they offer a lot more than just the books that they had uh, in the past. So what do, you, what do you think that libraries will look like in the future? So um, I'm, I'm going to get a little, I'm going to get a little political. Um, I think we always want to be, because we are a public service, and, and, and especially here in South Carolina, we are um, funded by tax dollars from our community. So we always want to be good stewards, and we always want to be in tune and in step, and we want to be offering what our community needs. The unfortunate truth is that lots of community support programs have lost funding. Those programs are either smaller or gone completely now. McHugh has noticed that public libraries are picking up the slack and providing important services to the community. We are one of the few public places that you can come in and there's not an expectation that you spend money. Um, we don't see anybody as a, you know, we're not there like if you don't check out a book, you can still totally be in our life, in our space. You know, we really are this kind of bastion of intellectual freedom. And so I, those are things that I think we will continue to do. And I am have to say, I'm excited to see what challenges we'll take on. But I do hope that um, we are able to see um, some of that funding return to our partners in this work. So I think libraries are always going to be surprising, creative. We're always going to be kind of stepping into those those community gaps and trying to meet those needs for people. But I will say at the end of the day, all that being said, we will still be a place where you can find a good book. Thank you again to Leah Elsner for her reporting. Next week, we'll hear from a Richland County native who took her work beyond the call of the city. Columbia Chronicles provides in-depth coverage of news and issues important to the greater Columbia community. It's produced through a partnership between the University of South Carolina's School of Journalism and Mass Communications and USC Student Media. For a full transcript of today's episode, go to www.garnetmedia.org and look for Columbia Chronicles under Podcasts. Thanks to Lucian Kemper for today's music. Before you head out, we have a quick message for you. This heat is no joke, y'all. If you're looking for a way to stay inside and do something real cool, volunteer with Cocky's Reading Express. You can read to kids, even deliver books with Cocky. They've already given out tens of thousands across the state. Not only will it feel good, research shows it can help get kids to college. So stop overheating and get reading, Columbia. Check out the opportunities online at Cocky's Reading Express.